0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life.
1: As we saw, and as you can verify when you look up into the sky tonight, there's objects out there, and there's space. That's basically what the world consists of. And the two dimensions are within you, and humans have become lost in one. So we are here to realize that dimension It cannot be realized in the future. It cannot be made into an object of a search because it's here now. You are looking for it, you create a future. Now, what is future? It's a thought form. Apart from that, there is no future except as a thought form, it cannot come except as now. So it's now the arising of space consciousness or the realization of space consciousness is here now. For example, it happens when you acknowledge not only the words that you hear acknowledge simply means pay attention notice just as noticing here there are two dimensions just the same as when you look up into the sky at night you will find there are two dimensions there are the words here and there's a silent space or stillness in which the words...
0: Welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna, and that was Eckhart Tolle on The Power of Now. One of the most intriguing, most easiest thing to do is just to be present, but we get caught. This consistent energy inside of the soul recorded where we're either trying to catch up to the future, really trying to pass the future, so to speak, or something from the past is unfulfilled and we think we can relive it again. So have you observed that you've been thinking either very much from something that happened to you, the event, the situation happened, and it was an uncomfortable experience, and you're trying to fix that, unknown to you maybe. You're trying to find some kind of a reparation or forgiveness, understanding, acceptance, or whatever it might be. That energy is influencing the way you're showing up right now. And then there's this energy of like desires, wants, more, you know, always pushing you forward. And if it's influenced by the past, it's like you're just chasing your tail. I know I felt that. It's as if I'm still not going anywhere. I'm still revolving around the same stories. Recently, I attended a wonderful screening of Free Trip to Egypt at the National Museum In Washington, D.C., and director Tom Shadex said it well that in Hollywood, sometimes you're having this exchange with one toxic person to another toxic person, and that just amplifies the toxicity. But what if one person decided to come from a different place? Wouldn't that shift the energy? And the same thing is true for us inside. To what extent are we deeply listening to our thoughts in which these thoughts can signal to us Am I coming from my past or am I trying to pass my future? Or am I just presently holding my gifts and really practicing deep listening and having compassion and civility even on myself? It's not easy for us to extend that to somebody else if we can't even do it for ourselves. And this takes me to inviting our next guest on air, founder and creator of a movie that I've just recently seen and have fallen deeply in love with it. It's entitled Free Trip to Egypt. And today we have Tarek Munib, who was born and raised in Canada to Egyptian parents and moved to Switzerland over 15 years ago, where he actually received Swiss citizenship. Now, he's been a successful entrepreneur for more than 25 years. He has run two software companies, a health center, and most recently, Kindness Films. Now, having long been fascinated with fostering a sincere dialogue and a better understanding of different points of view, his recent focus has been on creating projects that contribute to the well-being of our humanity and bringing people of various backgrounds and cultures closer together. If a film is a reflection of its creator, Free Trip to Egypt and Tariq Munib are truly that, film and filmmaker. Today gives me great privilege to welcome filmmaker Tariq Munib to America Meditating, Hi, my brother. Salam <laughs> alaikum. shanti.
2: Wa alaikum asalaam. Om shanti. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Sister Jenna.
0: I really appreciated meeting you a few days ago at the museum. I observed you and not with judgment. My observation of people is not with judgment. My observation of people is to learn more about who I am and who I will become. And my observation of you was just you're so sincere in what you do, and I appreciate it being in your vortex. So thank you for that.
2: Thank you. That's very kind.
0: So for our listeners who may not be familiar with Free Trip to Egypt as yet, would you be kind enough to tell us a little bit more about it, and what was your inspiration for making the film?
2: Well, the inspiration happened, I guess there was a buildup of things, but what finally triggered it was at the end of 2016, I was watching the news like everyone else and feeling quite concerned about the polarity that was happening in our world. And I noticed within myself, fear was building up as to the world we were starting to live in. And I started feeling actually afraid of the ways certain people perceived each other and perceived me. And I realized I was starting to retract and feel this constriction within myself, And it was at that point that I thought, well, you know what, I don't really want to live in fear. I don't want to just run away and and point to people and say, you know, they're the enemy and get angry. So I, I really tried to feel, is there another way? And then that's when I came up with the idea, what if I approached the people that I thought feared me with kindness and openness, mm-hmm. and and tried to listen. And then um, I came to the United States, and we went across the United States, just speaking to random people in random places. And when we found somebody that we felt was concerned about uh, Muslims or the Middle East, we offered them a free trip to Egypt. And and mm-hmm. this was the whole film: is the search for those people, and then their journey, and my journey, actually, of breaking down my own stereotypes and coming together on a human level
0: yeah you know before we reveal too much about the film i'll tell you that when you watched that film it somehow very gently had you checking if you were also being very judgmental or critical because at the end of the film i found myself almost going down that road and i went wait stop no cultures are better than any other culture. We just have to learn to accept each other's cultures and not make that distinction. But anyway, I don't want to give away the film yet. <laughs> but with all the stereotypes and the fears that a lot of Americans are now having all the world towards Muslims and vice versa, was it hard to find people to accept the free trip to Egypt? I mean, what were some of the reactions that you were getting?
2: Yeah, it was challenging, that's for sure. So we tried different means, and and the first avenue was social media. And that was probably the most disastrous form, because I think people have a social media personality, and you Mm -hmm. you really have this shield between you. So through social media, we just got a lot of hate. Just, why are you doing this? Do you think I want to be beheaded? Are you stupid? I would never go there. Like, really drastic common. So that was challenging. And then the shift came when we started speaking to people one-on-one. It was still harder, but at least people would open up and we would feel them. And even if people had certain views of the Middle East that one might feel are bigoted or Mm -hmm. racist, somehow... The people themselves didn't feel that way. Somehow they felt like just genuine people. When you're there face-to-face, you realize they're not bigoted. They just are concerned about their family, their friends, and what's happening in the world. And that softened me and made me less fearful of what I thought was prejudice that was out there.
0: Mm -hmm. Didn't you ever find yourself also just being taken aback and just being angry about some of their comments? Like you found that, how could you be so ignorant? Did you ever find yourself there?
2: Yes, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it was a real learning process for me, but there were times where I would just feel a lot of anger and frustration as to the overreaction and the judgments. And it scared me when I would hear things like, you know, we just got to ship those Muslims in a boat or kill them all. Or, you know, I hope Trump just eradicates them. It's scary and it's frustrating because, you know, I'm just feeling, okay, I'm reaching out. I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to connect with you. And I'm just getting this wall of hate. And it comes and goes. But there were times every now and then <laughs> where I could differentiate between this hateful statement and see the person behind it. So it, it's hard.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's the part is that it actually comes and goes. And that's a good thing. Because I really would hate for those feelings to just stay in us all the time. And there are some people that I wonder in their quiet moments do they really just check themselves and say, I don't want to feel like this anymore? I just don't. I want to talk about the wonderful program we had recently at the museum. It was a one night premiere of Free Trip to Egypt in over 500 centers across the country in the USA. Audiences were able to view the film and then watched a live discussion from the museum in DC. I would love to hear what the feedback was so far that you had received, because I know in attendance at the museum was Marla Maples, Donald Trump's second wife, and my very good friend, by the way, and Tiffany Trump, which is his daughter. And we had civility experts. We had individuals from the Unity Church. We had individuals from a wide variety of areas, and even from the political camp as well. Uh, What was the feedback of the live viewing in all the theaters that happened? I think it was on June 12th and from the museum.
2: Um, The feedback was actually overwhelmingly positive. I think I've gotten hundreds of mails of gratitude for the film and the panel discussion. So that was really quite nice to see. I think people really appreciated seeing such diverse people with different political and religious views actually come together for unity and and going beyond differences. That's, by and large, the feedback. There was one host that was organizing the film, and she gave me some interesting feedback, specifically about Marla Maples, because this was a very strong uh, democratic city, so it was just mostly a blue audience. And uh, when Mm -hmm. Marla Maples came up, there was just negativity people were saying oh why is she there and stuff like that and this person who's a democratic politician by the way had to remind people the whole point of being here is to accept people with differing views and i found this very ironic because i mean as you know marla maples is the kindest woman you'll ever meet but people just simply by association judge her and assume things about her
0: Yeah, that's so sad. I have to tell you, and I just don't know how they manage that and navigate it because it's really intense. So how did you respond when you got notes like that?
2: Well, I was happy with this note because it was sent by the host themselves. And the host themselves, who was a strong Democratic politician, immediately reminded people on that evening saying, hey, what are you guys doing? So I was happy that, okay, we're reminding each other, you know, we can have these setbacks, but that's the whole idea, to remind each other. And this is the whole journey we had on this film. And I think this is the power of it is that it's not anybody trying to educate anybody, right? It's not me right. saying, hey, guys, get over your stereotypes. It was. All of our journey of self-discovery and discovering the other and, you know, just dealing with all of our imperfections and trying to somehow connect. And I think Mm -hmm. we did. And that's what inspired me.
0: Now, how did the movie come up with this whole global movement called Pledge to Listen, which actually is inviting us to create and promote a greater understanding among diversity of, you know, cultures, religions, gender, maybe preferences? What's your absolute vision for this movement?
2: So when I undertook this journey, people call it a social experiment, self-discovery, however you want to label it, but I went with a curiosity and a question about humanity and whether we can connect and whether, you know, kindness will win. And basically, after speaking to so many Americans and then traveling with them, etc., I'm just fully convinced that there's hope for the world and that we can connect. And the main reason is that... The people we took to Egypt were so diverse politically, religiously, from personalities, from everything you can imagine. They were just such a diverse crowd. And there were mm-hmm. times where there was tensions and I didn't think the group was going to you know, survive as a group, etc. But in the end, we managed to stay together. We managed to connect. We managed to, even though we held different beliefs and a lot of our beliefs didn't change, We still managed to keep the group together and survive, and survive in a nice way with human connection. And that's when it dawned on me, okay, well, if this group with such diversity can exist like that, why not the rest of the world? The world isn't so different than that little group we had. And then that's when we kind of really felt, what was it that really helped Us connect and stay together and that was the key aspect was just listening and respect and then from that came the inspiration well let's all go on this fabulous journey together and then that's when the Pledge to Listen movement came about Uh, where we offered anybody who wants to see more listening and kindness in the world to join us and create more dialogue. And then this whole network of thousands of people now have signed up for Pledge to Listen and have managed to create this Pledge to Listen Day of Unity last week, um, where we are just trying to connect and bring more civility and politics and dialogues. And that struck a real hopeful note and given me hope and given a lot of people hope. And the beauty is, is that we can let go of, or I can let go of trying to convert anybody to any religious or political views. And still, without feeling that responsibility, I can still connect with that person and I can still have a civil discussion. And I think that's what it seems is resonating with a lot of Americans and a lot of global citizens around the world is just, oh, you know what, I just really have this desire to talk to you and I'm sick of this demonization of the other, so let's connect. And and that's the whole background behind the Pledge to Listen movement.
0: What I felt about it is that it actually invites you to become very soul aware. You really become Mm. soul aware. And what I mean by soul aware is that you begin to tap into the virtuosity of your character. You know, you're more caught up in the virtues of the soul rather than the body, the gender, the role, the title, the religion, which is where the conflicts actually come from is the attachment to that limited point of view, which you feel a sense of insecurity if somebody challenges you uh, where it's concerned. And I felt that resonance when I was watching the film. Like I automatically went there, and my pledge to listen emerged me to come from a place of being non-attached when I'm dealing with another child of God. And it just opened me up to just being present, to being here and now.
2: Wow yeah that's really beautiful and you really put it really beautifully because for me there's some sort of tension or fear that creates a wall between another person and as soon as you let go of that or as soon as I let go of that and I realize okay I can still see this person as connected with me independent of all the things you mentioned there's a much deeper relaxation in me where I can actually be present and I discover much more depth and beauty in the other person than when I was afraid and trying to label this person or put them somewhere.
0: Tarek, why are we so afraid of one another? What is it that you have observed on your journey that seems to trigger in us this fear factor if we're different? the language is different, the clothes is different, the food is different. Maybe the way I express my belief systems are different. Why do you think we get afraid of the different?
2: I'm not sure why and what the origin is. I think part of it that I feel has escalated in the last decade or so is this feeling that it's either your culture or mine. And there's almost a competition. There's a fear that if a certain group gets their rights, then I don't get mine, right? And for some reason, this has crept into our consciousness. Somehow, if if we're talking about any two competing groups, if you mention one group's rights, all of a sudden, the other group feels threatened, And I think on an individual level, we somehow feel if we listen to a view that we don't agree with, then our view is threatened and our identity is threatened. So I think maybe it's because we identify too much with a certain view or culture. And I feel if as soon as we feel, I don't have to defend my culture, my religion, my background. As soon as I feel safe, In myself Mm
1: -hmm. then
2: it creates some sort of bridge where people are open to learning more about me Mm -hmm. paradoxically it's really letting go of this fear of having to protect something and then you can really listen to the other person and hear views that you might totally disagree with but it's okay because then you come from a place of curiosity and understanding so I think somehow this view of either you or me has crept into our consciousness that we need to just say, you know what, we're all okay. We're safe. And as soon as that there then comes true connection and what you were talking about of being, you know, seeing the soul, being in the present moment, everything else just falls away.
0: Mm -hmm. Now this is for my own clarity and my own understanding for me. What has safety felt like for you? For me, my feelings of safety has felt when it's almost as if I've lived my life without giving a lot of sorrow to people. And so I feel like there's a safety mechanism just traveling with me. Now, even though I feel like I've given and offered a lot of good in my life, I've still felt moments, Tarek, where I don't feel safe for me inside. And it just feels like I'm thinking of the unknown worst stuff, like either being criticized, defamed, shamed or somebody could come into the house. I'm just giving you an idea of various forms. When you talk about safety for you, what has that meant or felt like for you? And this is really just for me, because I'm always curious to find out how we're all traveling on the journey so that I don't feel like I'm alone.
2: (laughs) Right, yeah, and that resonates with me. I feel it as a place inside me. There's the place inside of me that, you know, is planning and thinking about the future and thinking about my existence, et cetera, et cetera. That's an important place to relate to this world. And I think that's also the place where fear also comes from because, you know, we're rational. you know, when I'm in that place. And then there's this other place inside of me where I feel deeper in my heart where there is no past or future. And then all of a sudden, there's not even identity. There's just this place of rest. And there's times where I'm able to just rest in that place. And because there's no past or future, there's just present, there's nothing to be afraid you're going to lose because there's nothing there except vastness and beauty, right? So for me, it's kind of oscillating between these two places. And I don't know, I think... Life for me is about being able to be in the place of past, present, future planning and all that stuff, but still be enormously connected to this vastness. I haven't achieved that quite yet, but that's kind of my ideal.
0: (laughs) No, I think that's important because we talk about these things, but we also don't go the extra step at times and ask the person, what does it feel like? Help me. I'd like to find out if I'm on the right track. And as you can see, we are having a very authentic conversation. And I think that we've just displayed what that can convey to others. But any particular thoughts about your definition of really holding authentic conversation, especially after you've done some deep listening?
2: Yeah, I really feel authenticity is so important because I don't think we can break and really connect at a heart level without authenticity I think Pema Chodron is the one who talks about start where you are because for me if you're not authentic you're not going to have any real connection because you're mm-hmm. connecting from a place that you're not so it won't ever be satisfying so I would rather that you see my imperfect side and you see who I really am as embarrassing as that might be um, <laughs> because because then that's a place where I can feel true friendship and a true connection Absolutely. with you. Absolutely,
0: Yes, go ahead. Absolutely. I'm with you on that.
2: So that, I guess that's what I'm saying, just simply the, the importance of coming from an authentic place. And it's interesting, again, we build up this false belief that we have to be a certain way to connect with people or to be respected. So then we spend all this energy fueling this identity of perfection And it's exhausting, and it's just wasted energy because as soon as we realize no one's perfect, we're all beings in our way, and we can be loved in our imperfections, then it's like, oh, okay, well, why am I trying so hard to create this this (laughs) identity, which is just getting in the way anyway?
0: Yes, yes, I think that's so important. I think it was, um, we were participating with the, International Day of Yoga yesterday, and I don't know. There was a young man that was doing something for us as a volunteer, and I gave him something. You know, the the lavalier mics are quite costly, right? <laughs> and for nonprofits, right. it's always an interesting thing. And we're so accustomed to folks volunteering and just breaking things and just moving on very happily, right? Anyway, so I must have just said, "Oh gosh." That cost a thousand bucks, be careful. He took it so personally and I oh, said, no. That's okay. I can give you a whole lot more reasons for you to be disappointed with me. So just stay with me more and we'll have a wonderful relationship.
1: And it was just like
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was just like okay. You know, and it's just I don't know what people are expecting. We thrust expectations on people and we don't fulfill our own expectations of being our best versions. And I always find it quite complex of a situation to manage in relationships. But we're changing, and and a lot's happening. I want to go back on the film because I know that we've done the national release, which was on June 12th, and thanks to Phantom Distribution, the theaters or something. Right. Wonderful work that they've done. I love them for that. Are there any additional screenings of the film? And what's the next step for Free Trip to Egypt?
2: So we're going to be announcing some exciting news soon. We haven't, oh,
0: please um, <laughs> <laughs>
2: but we haven't finalized dates or anything. But what we want to do, because there was so much resonance on June twelfth, and we had so many people also emailing us saying, "Oh, we missed it, and we want to see it, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. So what we want to do is more of a grassroots pledge to listen week or month. We're not sure yet when, but we want to offer it in such a way that it's not just only the theatres that can screen it, but also communities, places of worship, you know, synagogues, mosques, churches, uh, maybe jointly, etc. So what we're going to be doing is announcing a period of time where people can come together again in their communities. And then similar to the Day of Unity on June 12th, with the exception that it'll be grassroots, so people can volunteer to have it at their community center or wherever, in addition to theaters. So we're working on what TUG, which offers what they call a cinema on demand model. So if, you know, I think it's around, if 60 people in a city decide they want to see it in a theater, the theater will play it. So we're just finalizing the dates and the logistics where we can offer this so we can give another wave of people that want to organize screenings in the not too distant future.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Congratulations. Now, in terms of the Pledge to Listen, could you tell us, I'm going to go back a little bit about the movement because I think it's a really important part of the movie because I have been really paying attention to this and I would love our listeners to be able to get more involved with the Pledge to Listen global movement.
2: So the pledge to listen, I mean, if anyone goes to our website, freetriptoegypt.com, they can put their name and take pledge to listen, which is simply saying, you know, I pledge not to demonize anybody who has different beliefs than myself and just listen to their arguments and then offer my arguments in return. And then you join this network. And what we've done is we've partnered also as part of the Pledge to Listen Day of Unity with 30 national organizations that want to see more kindness and listening in the world. Because we're a film, we're not a big organization, Mm -hmm. so we wanted on June 12th to start the conversation, and the film is a really good starting point, and that's why we're going to do further screenings. But these organizations, they have a lot of local activities on how people can get involved. It's from things like the Charter of Compassion to the Listen First organization, uh, the National Project for Conversation. These are all different organizations. So as part of Pledge to Listen, Uh then you have access to some local organizations that we can set you up with and you can see what's in your neighborhood and you wow. know it's really just linking up all these people who want to see more listening and kindness in the world
0: no oh, i love it i think it's wonderful so leave us with a, a website again that we can participate in and please come back on air and let us know what the good news is so we can continue to share that
2: <laughs> I would love to so the the film is a free trip to egypt com, and also if you go to pledge to listen one word dot com you'll also get to the same place so free trip to Egypt dot com or pledge to listen
0: dot com Tarek Monib you are an angel and thank you for what you're doing in our planet
2: thank you so much Sister Jenna it's been a real pleasure thank you
0: many blessings take care you too Bye bye. so everyone really this is a movie that you've got to see so go to freetriptoegypt.com. I've seen it three times, once alone, the second time at the Meditation Museum, and the third time at the museum. And each time you watch it, something happens to you. I don't know what it is, but a shift happens inside of you, and you come out a better version after watching this movie. And I'll say that over and over again. You literally come out a better version after you've watched this movie. So please take your pledge to listen. I'm learning to do that a little bit more. I always thought I was a good listener, um, but I can always see that there's room for improvement and continued amplification as well. All right. So take good care and remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same, so let's do that. Remember the De-Stress Meditation at the Meditation Museums will be coming up on June 29th and July 11th. I think you can go to their website at meditationmuseum.org for more information. And our friend Iyanna Bansant will be in the nation's capital on June 29th. So go to her website for her uh, Acts of Faith Remix tour, which is celebrating, I think, her 20th year of the release of her first book. So take care, everyone, and I'm going to play this one for Tarek. It's called Fearless, because I think that's who he is, and that's how his life functions. And be kind to one another and just smile a little more. And don't forget, take your pledge to listen more deeper. You might learn a lot about who you are. Take care, everyone. Take a deep breath and pause for a moment. In a quiet space of my mind, I gently allow my thoughts to settle, offering me some insight into what stirs deeply in my consciousness. When I'm walking in moving around and interacting with others I'm off guard and I forget what's sitting at the base of my consciousness external influence can trigger internal realities but in this very special moment I choose to allow sacred courage to emerge as I the soul travel through uncharted territories of my inner being. So in this moment, I the energy of light, the being, the soul, give myself permission to let go of any fear might be surfacing, because in this state of sacred trust and sacred courage, I am not alone. In this awareness, I realize I haven't lost anyone or anything. I don't need to think too far ahead. too far behind. I am present, here for me. Sitting in this state, I have the ability to overcome any fear that surfaces in thoughts. And being in this present state, is the feeling of absolute stability, expansion, silence, peace, in the state of being fearless. In this state, I seek no desire. And when I maintain my sacred courage, The past is automatically released. I'm aware. I'm a soul, a being of energy, imperishable, immortal, eternal born from a pure awareness of God's light, I'm never alone when I remember I'm a child of the supreme being, I'm immortal, eternal, imperishable, and I'm fearless. Shanti